the dawn of civilization. Primitive, dangerous, exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs the most civilized caveman I have ever seen. You're listening to the Knuckle Draggers Extravaganza if you're tuning in live or if you're joining us through Cave Dweller Music. Welcome, thanks to the power of the internet. This is something that we previewed last week on the show, but Salt Money have a brand new record out. And if you remember back to the very early days of Cave Dweller Music, we actually had a chat um, to one of the people when we were interviewing Lumen's house. So it all comes together. And Dean, I think you are the second, second time uh, guest on all the Cave Dweller socials. So welcome back. Oh, hell yeah. Thank you for having me. What an honor. I know. Second, second person. <laughs> it's working out really well. And ironically enough, uh, the first second, very much like yourself, DIY label, uh, in a myriad of different bands. So it seems like there's a bit of a theme for these reoccurring guests. That's the thing, yeah, people who are stuck in the DIY world forever. <laughs> Before we get into the interview itself, touching on that, and this is something that I had a chat to Jem from Dead, who was the first, second time around, but did you know about the idea of DIY before you started doing it yourself? Or was it you got stuck into it and people kept mentioning DIY and you're like, this is what I'm doing anyway? Um, I guess a bit of both. Like, I feel like as a teenager, I was really passionate about like DIY type of stuff because it was like, oh, nobody's going to record my crappy band. I got to learn how to record my crappy band. And then I was like, you know, really proud of the fact that I could do that even though I did it horribly, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, you're a teenager. Most stuff that you do when you're a teenager is is pretty terrible unless you're yeah. like one of those weird prodigies. Yeah, I don't want anyone to hear that stuff. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, also I guess like I've always been drawn to hardcore and punk or whatever you call this stuff because of the ethics, because of the like uh, the ideas, maybe more important than the music itself. Uh, especially at a young age. So I was like, I was fully committed to this idea of DIY at a young age. And um, you so hit, maybe- yeah, and you hit the nail on the head there perfectly. It's one of those things where you go, I can see that other people, you know, the kind of music that I like is going to be recorded by someone else, but I have a very specific idea of what I want to record and put out into the world. So I guess I'm just going to have to do it myself. Yeah, and that's that always happens, you know, like maybe I'm not so passionate about that that type of stuff these days, but it's still the case that I'm like, uh, I want to do this particular thing. I have no idea who could share that vision with me. And then there's always this creative frustration that comes from that, where it's like, well, I don't know which professional I would reach out to to do this particular thing. So I guess I have to do it myself, but I'm not that good at it either. So then there's always this like frustration of never being able to realize that creative potential. I was just about to ask, do you find that having total control over the process can get in the way because you're constantly fiddling with things along the way? Um, Yeah, that can happen for sure. I mean, with this new Salt Money record, I think I re-recorded the vocals or rewrote the vocals for some songs like three times. And that's less less about having complete control and more about having no deadlines you know yeah exactly it's like rather than having the hard and fast deadline of i need to finish everything by this date because it's such a an open process and you know we'll get into this a little bit later on but writing recording and releasing everything yourself you can tinker with it you can you know redo stuff if you don't think it's up to up to snuff and you can kind of get in your own way a little bit yeah, definitely. And those are bad habits that we have to break. Touching on the new Salt Money record, uh, it's called Love of My Life and it's due out um, this coming Friday. So that'll be Friday the, just let me double check the date for that one there, uh, Friday the 9th. Um, there's been a few singles released. Overplayed, we actually played last week uh, on the Knuckle Draggers Extravaganza. How cool. have you found the record this time around because from memory it is your debut lp you've got a couple of eps in the bag yeah that's right so um i mean it's been a weird process coming to finally releasing this thing but uh 
But yeah, the, the two EPs that preceded it were recorded together in the same session, the same like three-hour session. Um, Damn. So we had this idea of doing two EPs. Instead of opening with a debut album, we're going to yeah, open yeah. with two EPs, but we're just going to record them at once. Um, and then, of course, I do my usual thing of taking forever to put the vocals on it. Um, and then the same things happened with this LP. Like the instrumentals were recorded a long time ago. It took me a long time to get the vocals on it. Now it's finally coming out. Um, why Why do you think you do take so long to put the vocals on it? Is it just because you've got such a massive workload? And like you said, you record everything yourself. Um, is it just a case of, okay, I need to get everything else perfect before I can put these vocals onto it? Well, I think Salt Money is like, it's so much myself poured into this project. And if I'm being reflective, I would say that like throughout these years, I've been very like self-critical. So I'm not happy with what I do. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Through the process of love of my life, I've begun to become a lot happier with what I do and myself. And so that's been really beautiful. That's part of the reason that I called it love of my life. It was like time to have a bit of self-love and time to be a bit happy about what we're doing, which is really a first and it's it's really fun. Uh, I think the record sort of shows that progression. For me, as the artist, I can feel the songs that are older and I can feel the songs that are newer and I can feel the tonal shift or maybe like the, just a shift in um, energy that I give it. Um, so it's cool. I, I, I really love being able to see myself grow through the records that we're making. What do you think it is about love of my life that led you to this self-love realization? You mentioned there that you can tell the older songs are the older songs. Obviously, uh, apart from the fact that, you know, from a time and place, this is when and where you recorded them, but also the overall feel, like, how do you think that that process of self-love and almost acceptance by the sound of it came about? Um, I think definitely living in the place that I live in the woman's house house has been massive for my creative output and like sort of I've personally gone through some shit the last couple of years navigating that. But then um, creatively, I've just been more and more, I think it's it's just having a good environment, right? It's having people who believe in you and then being willing to believe in yourself because of that. So yeah, big shout out to the other members of the house for helping me realize that. We're kind of putting a few pieces of the puzzle here together. Um, and for those who didn't listen into the first interview, Salt Money, Lumen's House, um, is it Myra TV, Lumens itself, there's a lot of collaboration going on in the house, within the label. For those of that don't know, could you talk us through who's involved, what projects are going on, and everything yeah. surrounding Lumens House Records itself? Of course. I mean, I'll try to keep it to a minute or less. But, no, no, ramble um, on, dude, ramble on. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lumens House is less of a record label, more of a poorly defined like conglomeration. It's actually just a physical house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in that house, yeah, there's a lot of musical projects that are happening. Um, so there's like Luke, he's got Super Death. He's got Blind Girls. Um, uh, Sean, he's got Myra TV. There's Lumens, which we're all a part of. There's Michael, who's got Lumens and Plant Life. Um, and then there's myself and I've got Salt Money. The other guys play in Salt Money too or have played in Salt Money in the past. Um, and we are Spirish Longerness. Um, still yeah, one know. of my favorite band names, and just the whole story surrounding that little three track. Oh, yeah, and you heard it here awesome. first. New Schlong, New Schlong coming soon, too. Yes, <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for that. Dave Dweller exclusive, baby. I love it. Now, um, with all these different projects that everyone is involved in in the house do you think it's a case of iron sharpens iron because you're so surrounded by them you hear these projects going on and there's a little bit of a creative competition in lumen's house itself oh definitely i mean when i first heard the new super death record noise breeder i was like 
I had shivers and was like, holy fuck, like we're raising the bar now. And that's, that's just Luke's solo project. But I mean, like, it's so inspired, like in the same way that you'd feel that when you hear like a, like a defining band in your youth or whatever, I felt that about one of my best friends. And I was like, oh shit, that's really cool. Um, So definitely, I've never heard that saying iron sharpens iron, but I like that. That's how uh, it feels. I don't know where I initially heard it, but I remember it from an Every Time I Die song. And I want to say it's a line from the Bible, but if we have <laughs> the uh, the Christian groups coming after us, I, I, allegedly it's a line from the Bible. I don't know okay. for sure. I feel like I know more about the Bible than I know about Every Time I Die. But <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can, I can get behind that. Um, with the recording process as well, was Isaac from Hanoi Traffic a part of uh, um, Salt Money prior to that, or have they uh, come in more recently? No, yeah, they're a very recent addition, um, and we're so stoked to have Isaac on board. But, yeah, basically Luke um, recorded the guitar parts and then had to dip because of, like, commitments with like salt my uh, with um super death and blind girls so isaac's coming in and yeah they they haven't actually recorded any material with us but they're playing the upcoming tour and we're super stoked to have them on board um do you want to run down a few of those shows that will be happening on this tour obviously it is the first week of december and so it's not going to be until i think it's about a month away isn't it? it's first week of january that the uh, love of my life tour is kicking off yeah, definitely. So uh, we're doing Brisbane, Nambour, Adelaide, two shows in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, it's like Brisbane's January the 6th, Nambour January the 8th, Adelaide January the 12th, Melbourne on the 13th and 14th, and Sydney on the 15th. The and one if, you want more, if you want more details, just like hit up our socials. The one thing I was very excited about, not only to see you guys, is that you've managed to pull Def Cult back out of obscurity. I haven't seen <laughs> anything from them uh, since that record came out. And I think they've popped up on a handful of shows, but it's so cool to see that band back again. Yeah, honestly, I think the lineups that we've curated for this tour are amazing. They're some of the best bands across the country that I just legitimately want to see. Um so, like, we've got Death Cult and Hanoi in Brisbane. Um, we've got uh, Old Home and Slow Cut in Nambour. We've got Raccoon City and Superdose Gangway in Adelaide. We've got uh, Gravitate, Forgive, um, Keratin, World Sick, and Misery Guts in Melbourne. And in Sydney, we've got Mowgli and Cherish, New Vegan Straight Edge Band. So the lineups are just insane. I did notice that Cherish one, and I think that's probably, and again, this could be ignorance on my part, but that's probably one of the few vegan straight edge bands that I've seen coming out of Australia over the last, say, six months to a year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a tiny, tiny scene. Um, I think there are a lot of hardcore bands who like are addressing vegan attitudes, but um I don't think that many people are making it so explicit in the way that Cherish are and really throwing it back to the 90s. Why do you think they're not expressing it as much? Do you think there's that that vegan stink, so to say, from like um, <laughs> from the wider community? As soon as they see, you know, the X on either side of the, the band name, they go, oh, it's these kind of guys. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it can be limiting creatively, definitely, to like say, oh, we're a vegan straight edge band. And then what the fuck are you going to sing about besides those two topics? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, how often, I mean, I don't know, Earth Crisis are probably the biggest one of them and they managed to keep it going for so long. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Destroy <laughs> the Machines was amazing, but then what? You know, like they're know still exactly. going and they're still exactly going and good mean, for them, yeah. but who the fuck cares? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It's like Destroy the Machine was such a perfect time and place record that everything else after it kind of goes, yo, this is like Destroy the Machines, but not as good. Just not as good. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I and find it's like, that oh, 
Remember, just remember, destroy the machines. That was sick. Yeah, Earth Crisis is sick, and I still listen to that record all the time. Oh, it's a great but, record, absolutely. But yeah, I'm not really listening to the new stuff. I think that's a bit of a curse with a vegan straight edge band. It's a blessing and a curse because the first record is always so fucking sick, and there's still so many amazing vegan straight edge bands that are current who are still doing it. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to stay alive. And that's the thing with so many of those bands, it's that first record really creates a shift and then they just spend the rest of their career chasing that dragon. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's a curse in Screamo too. I mean, well, most Screamo bands don't last more than a single record. So um, we'll see if we can do it. Who knows? I mean, you've got, you know, you recorded two two EPs at the same time. So if you want to uh, throw in a technicality, I mean, technically, this is your second record. <laughs> sure, we'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> With all those bands that you mentioned that everyone uh, surrounding Lumen's house is involved in, you've pretty much hit every notable Screamo Screams band in like the Brisbane and Gold Coast area. Have you seen a, a shift towards that style of music from you guys being in it? Um, yeah, it's really weird. Like at the moment, we're in a bit of a resurgence. Like, and it's really cool that fucking Southeast Queensland is spearheading this for the rest of the country. Like, um, the fact that we have Salt Money, Hanoi Traffic, and Blind Girls all in the same geographic region is really fucking cool. And now there's like there's new screamo bands starting up in Brisbane as well. Um, I mean, there's Verity Whisper and Dream Inertia, two new screamo bands from Brisbane. It's like, what? How does this like city of two million people have five screamo bands? It's, um, it's really cool. And that Blind Girls album that came out earlier on in the year, I think Jared and I both flogged that one to absolute death to the point where we had to tell each other, all right, look. We both really like this record, but we might need a refrain from playing a song off it every single week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're a great band. Do you have a little bit of... I don't think pride would be the right word because then you kind of get into a little bit of arrogance territory, but does it make you happy seeing all these screamo bands come out of the Southeast Queensland bubble? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. It's, it's really cool uh, and it's really exciting. Um, it's cool to, to know that we were sort of a part of that happening and it's not like trying to toot my own horn or anything, but I've spoken to a lot of people in, in the other bands and they have very complimentary things to say about Salt Money. And so that's really exciting to know that we're sort of a part of that starting up, I guess. Yeah. And ho hopefully we'll be around to see the fruit of it. Where do you think the root of it? was because my mind always goes back to like the first time I was introduced to to you guys was through Lumens. Now that in and of itself wasn't a particularly scrams kind of music. That was more on that, you know, uh really grungy hardcore, you know, of, of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean Lumens comes from everything and and it's more going towards pop rock now for the new record. Oh, that's an exciting change. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be really fun. But um but yeah, I mean the even the name Lumens that comes from a Bernavir record. So there's Screamo influence in the name. Uh yeah. So even though Lumens definitely not a Screamo band. We're in that world. And and yeah, always have been, I guess. On that prop rock side, um, how do you find the like comparing different writing processes? Like a lot of the songs that I've seen for Salt Money, you know, sub that two minutes 30, always on the go, always attacking, always on the offensive. How do you square that with writing some more structured, some more, you know, hook-based stuff in terms of the pop rock of Lumens? Yeah, it's tough because, like, we're always kind of like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> this is like... <laughs> or, like, oh, we need to experiment with this song structure here. And it's like, oh, do we really need to? Because the good thing about this song is just its chorus. Mm, so maybe mm -hmm. we should just get to the fucking chorus and play it three times. <laughs> um 
so yeah it's tough and um but like you know you got to play your strengths right you got to be yeah, like definitely. or maybe we'll be that pop rock band that does the weird structures who knows um but yeah new lumens is still a long way off so writing with salt money has been like basically luke writes an album michael adds some drums that are heavily heavily influenced by luke's already like demo drums and then uh the band records it live no click and then the classic way to do it yeah and then i come and put overdubs on it for a year and like you said basically the process and like you said earlier on it's a case of you not being happy with it but love of my life has seen you go you know what i might not be the best but i like what i do and i'm quite good at it well, I'm I'm stoked on this record. Like, I think it's really, really good, and I think it's a huge step up from our previous material. I mean, I'm sorry to anyone who likes the old records, but we probably <laughs> won't. We probably won't be playing them anymore. You'll have to do that thing where it's like um, you'll only play one song every two or three years, just you know, to to please all the hardcore fans. Yeah, yeah. I remember when the saddest landscape came to town. And they didn't play the sixth golden ticket. And I was like, I hate you. But I also, I kind of get it. Like, I think it's pretty cool. Good for you. You always feel like such a dick when you're watching a band and they don't play your favorite songs. And you're kind of, you're kind of upset about it. But at the same time, you go, you know what? That was a pretty deep cut. I can see why you haven't played it. I'm like, yeah. No, I'm like, no, good for you. playing. Like, I love when bands just play the new shit. Because I'm like... You're doing what you want to do, yeah. even though you're years deep into this shit. So, yeah, I, and even though it sucks as a fan, but I'm like, I appreciate it. Good for you. And that's the thing. Normally, if they are playing the old stuff, they'll be like the lead singles or the two or three big songs off each record. And then just most of the set will be whatever's off their latest release or whatever they're touring at that stage. Also, I mean, this is like, this is screamer music. Like, you're not making it to be a radio hit that lasts forever, right? <laughs> like you're making it because it it feels a certain way at a certain time. And you're like, oh, I don't really want to sing that song of, like from 20 years ago about that horrible time I had 20 years ago. I kind of just want to play the shit that we're writing right now because that's what I feel right now. And even like with release cycles, like – this is the first time that Salt Money's doing vinyl. It's the first time that we're doing a music video. Uh, video. It's the first, well, like a pro cut video. It's the first time that we're doing any sort of promotion cycle. It's all this new stuff. New stuff as as a DIY band. It's really difficult to wrap our head around it. Um, but doing that means that oh, like things coming out later. You know, like the record was finished. I don't know, six months ago, nine months ago. Um, and that feels really weird to be like, oh, it's new. It's not new. It's been around for ages. And the, the instrumentals have been around even longer. Um, so that's odd. And I definitely see, uh, like, I, I, I would love to just finish it one day, put it out the next, the way that some bands do it. Um, but, yeah, it's difficult to grow a band if you if you're just doing that. Let's talk about the uh, music video because, like you said, it's the first time you've done a pro-cut music video. Was it an odd experience going in there and having all of the, uh, you know, the staging director, all the, uh, all everyone basically putting you guys into position when you're so used to doing it yourself? Um, well, like the cool thing is we've been working with a director, Kyle Thompson, and he has been building the Lumen's House cinematic universe for the next for the last couple <laughs> of years. <laughs> and he's been a homie since forever. How many, um, how many post-credit scenes are there? <laughs> none yet, but I mean we'll get into that. Now, um Kyle is building a little team and his team is brilliant. And him at the helm, it's like there's so much trust there, and he's just a homie. So Coming up with the like creative direction for the Salt Money music video just meant like hours and hours of conversation with Kyle, which is definitely not a problem. I love talking to that man. And um, 
so we we just talk it out for like a month leading up to it, focusing on all the little nitty gritty details, coming up with all these plans. And it was just a beautiful experience to be able to work creatively with Kyle so closely. And I think what we've done is something that no Screamo band has ever done before, which is really cool. Uh, and what is that thing that you don't think a Screamo band's done before? Um, like a music video that people want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the genre doesn't usually do music videos to start with. Yeah, that's and a very then, good point. And then when it does, they're usually like pretty boring. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, and, and there's a lot of cliches in music videos. Like I think the one that I noticed a lot recently was... What did they describe it as? Genting in a colored room, you know? Like yeah, yeah. you've got a whole bunch of dorks with seven or eight string guitars and they're in a plain white room, but every time the riff changes, the lighting changes within the within the room itself. Uh-huh. Um yeah. And so I think the video that we've come up with sort of plays on those tropes and does it in a funny way, but not in like a ha ha funny way, but more like a on, you know, if you know you know type funny way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I think a lot of the time it's like, uh, like Screamo takes itself way too seriously. Um, and yeah, uh, it's not, it's not exciting to just watch <clears throat> like four or five dudes in black t-shirts strumming their guitars. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, though. It is a very self-serious genre, and I think the big ones that always stand out are either really committed to the bit where they never actually break character or the flip side of that where they lean into how corny it is, you know? Like a, a yeah. lot of bands can... It's that awkward thing where if you're not entirely committed to the bit, then everyone can see through what you're trying to do. But if you make too much fun of it, it's going, well, you're clearly not taking this seriously at all, you know? Yeah. And certainly I don't think we're trying to make fun of it in any capacity. It's just being more true to ourselves. Like um, there's not just one side to a band. There's not just one side to myself. Um, there's multiple sides. And I think like overplayed the song is is definitely about embracing those multiple sides and just really wanting to feel excited about uh, expression. So if you don't have an opportunity to step outside this like little box that Screamo has set up for you, then um, then that's not expression. That's not why we're in a band, you know. No, I know exactly what you mean. If you limit yourself creatively, or not even creatively, but if you limit yourself to one particular field, you're either going to not be able to relate to anything else outside of that, or on the flip side, you are going to burn out because you've dedicated yourself to so much of this one particular thing. Yeah, and like what you said just then about like trying to um... – relate to people outside that box well that's exactly the reason that we did a music video because anybody who actually already likes this stuff they don't need a music video no like they don't they don't need a way in they already like it they already understand it or they might have been listening to this genre of music since they were 12 years old you know what i mean so like those people they don't really need the music video um who needs the music video is like people who have never heard a screamo band before. I mean, I think of the first, probably one of the first experiences of the genre myself was um, Houses We Die In by Pianos Become the Teeth. And that music video, it's not very good. But <laughs> when I was a teenager, I thought it was cool. Um, and the fact that there was a music video got me as somebody who wouldn't otherwise listen to that music to give it a try. It's so. that added level of immersion, which I think is really important. And a lot of people, obviously, you know, creating a music video and doing all the advertising that you guys have done does require maybe not an enormous budget, but it's definitely a lot more time and effort into putting something together. So having that music video, like you said, it's another level of immersion. So people might, you know, 
come across it on Bandcamp, Spotify, hearing it on, you know, 4 Z or something like that, and then go, oh, yeah, this is cool. But if you've got a music video, you can't really put that on in the background. You know, you're sitting down there watching what's going well, on. I really what hope that's it? the case because I always, I always put music videos on in the background because, like, or I'll watch the first 10 seconds and then I'll get bored and then I'll switch tabs. <laughs> So I really hope that doesn't happen with ours. You're hoping like, that they don't do what you normally would do. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the beat switch happens 30 seconds in and I'm like, just I just hope they can last 30 seconds. Can they get to the 30-second part and then we're good? We'll wait and see. Probably not. It goes back to something that you mentioned with writing um, lumens in a pop rock sense. And this is something that Jared has drilled into me endlessly because he went from writing prog where you'd have, you know, four or five minute sections repeating the same riff seven or eight times. But now he's shifted over into Jaffa, the big man, which is very much pop rock. And he goes, if you don't hit that chorus or that first interesting thing in the first 30 seconds, just fucking scrap the song. Every people have lost interest already. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. But when you apply it to heavy music, I think it's more like if you haven't hit three cool bits in the first 30 seconds, you're done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, because, yeah, like the the cool bits in heavy music, I think is less about like it getting stuck in your head and more about it just like pummeling you to death. And I have... My reaction to that is like just I can only describe it as the Patrick Bateman stink face. You know that gif from American Psycho where he does that kind of looks off into the distance like person. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I if my face hits that when I'm listening to something, I go, All right, I'm going to stick around with this. You know? Yeah, yeah. And you imagine yourself like um, you put your arms out like you're riding a Harley Davidson. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, that's exactly it. Um, yeah. Getting back to stretching things out and sort of going outside the scope, you said that this is your first time doing a really big um, promo run because the record was done, you know, six, nine months ago, and it's only just starting to see the light of day in the last month, two weeks and a bit. Mm. Has it been difficult for you to, I wouldn't say, relinquish some control but collaborate with more people outside the nucleus of lumen's house um yeah it's been difficult and i've probably like messed up that a couple of times like i know we put out some merch the other day and um so we're collaborating with bad habit records on this and i'm sure aaron from bad habit wouldn't mind me sharing the story where i'm like i put it out and then he messages me and he's like dude can you please just give me some notice when you do this shit? Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot. My bad. It's like, <laughs> damn, I forgot I'm not doing this all by myself. I yeah, actually have to yeah. include people. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still learning, definitely. But yeah, I definitely would not say this is a big promo run. Far from it. This is like an idiot who's never done it before trying to do the smallest amount of promo. Um if you compare this to any other band who's like normal, this is fucking nothing. But from you going from doing everything yourself to now having to include collaborators like this to give them that heads up, it's like, yeah. Oh man, what is going on? Yeah. And I feel like, oh, the administerial stuff is just ridiculous. <sighs> I remember, like, I, I love Ian McKay, and I remember reading an interview. Actually, I've been reading a lot of his interviews lately. I don't know why. but He's um, just an interesting dude. Yeah, like, I've been looking up all, like, archives from, like, the text interviews that he's had oh, in the 90s. class. Yeah, yeah. Um, and somebody said, like, oh, you know, like, you're really lucky to have playing in Fugazi as your job. And he was like, playing in Fugazi is not my job running fugazi is my job yeah like, there's so much back-end stuff and yeah, it's such yeah. a killer and uh that's kind of how it's felt the last couple of months i'm like i actually haven't been playing that much music i've just been doing music adjacent stuff sitting behind the computer and bashing your head every time you get a notification on outlook 
Yeah, basically. <laughs> how did the um how did the relationship come about with you and Aaron at Bad Habit? Like how did you guys tee that up? Um we played uh the team glasses fest, like what was it called? Um from, from the, the floor, floor up. up. Which and, got um, pushed back so many times. That was ridiculous. It was, yeah. Um but that was a great show for us. Like we had a lot of fun and a lot of people watched our set. And Aaron was one of them. And um, just after the set, he came up. He's like, do you have anything on the horizon? I was like, oh, yeah, we're putting out an LP. And he was like, can I do the vinyl for it? I was like, yeah, cool. So that that was as easy as it was. And, um, yeah, and so, like, we've just been working together ever since, just on this one little project, but it's good. How was from the – sorry, continue. I'll, um, I'll follow up this question in a sec. Yeah, like him and Michelle doing a great thing. It's uh, it's really weird to see like a record store and a record label thriving in a tiny town like Nambour, but yeah. they're making it work. I suppose Nambour is close enough to Brisbane. It's one of those satellite cities in and around where because it's close enough, there's still enough going on if that makes sense like i know and especially dude you listen to the brown couch any afternoon or any thursday afternoon there's always a show on at nambour there's always something cool happening out that way yeah Yeah, and i mean aaron and michelle are doing a lot of it (laughs) like they got they got fingers in a lot of pies up there which is cool it's much like yourself there's so much stuff going on you kind of get lost with it all yeah for sure how did you find from the floor up though? Because like we said, it did get pushed back a couple of times. Was it a relief to finally play it? Um, you know, like it was it was always just like another show, you know, like uh, up until when it's actually happening, it's just another show. Um, in some ways, it was kind of fortunate for us that it got pushed back because we were able to string it into a little bit of a mini tour when he like went down to Melbourne and the Gold Coast and then tied in from the floor up as like the last show of that mini tour. Nice. Um, and I think, I think like maybe interest around our band grew a little bit before it actually happened as well. So that meant that like a lot more people there were there to watch our set, even though we we're playing in the afternoon. Um, so yeah, I mean, it sucks that things got pushed back and it sucks for the reasons behind that obviously COVID, but, um, but at the end of the day, it happened and it was a really good, really good time for everyone. Yeah. It definitely sounds like it was fortuitous for you guys. Yeah. Like it was great. Um, but again, like we don't, we don't really play that many shows as well. So it's difficult to get your name out when you're not really playing many shows. So when you do play shows and they go well, you're like, oh well, that's that's nice. Especially when like with this genre of music, I put so much of myself into every performance. Like at the end of a performance, I am just like physically and emotionally completely drained. Um, so yeah, like you don't do it that often. You have to you have to do it really well when you do do it, and um. I feel like maybe musically it wasn't that great of a performance, but who who cares? Like <laughs> the energy was there. I know. Um, uh, you can often not so much mask, but almost like distract people from uh, a lackluster performance. If you've got the, you can, where are we going with this? Yeah. You can almost mask the musical performance. If your physical performance is really up to snuff. Yeah, well, I mean, it's hardcore music. Like, nobody's coming to hear a virtuoso. Like, <laughs> you're coming because you want to feel something. And I'm like, well, we can deliver that any day. Even if my voice is completely fucked, like, you're going to feel something. Might not be good. <laughs> How do you find the shows physically? Because, like you said, it is a rather taxing performance and a rather taxing style of music that you play like do you have to do any sort of you know warm-up for it what's the prep like um we we don't rehearse (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah that's a good start we never practice i think uh with this big tour coming up 
All right, okay. And we've got a new member in Isaac. All right, okay. Three practices. That's we'll do three practices. Um, but <laughs> I've uh I I mean I used to be really fit and then um I got COVID in May. Like basically we, we did a women's tour in May and I got COVID right at the start of it. And I've been sick basically ever since. Like oh, it's just no, killed my cursed, immunity. Yeah, yeah, you got the yeah. cursed long COVID. Yeah. And um so like I've lost all my fitness. And um before, like I used to be able to like fitness means a lot for a hardcore vocalist. I didn't realize yeah. this. Um oh, let's put it this way. I've never seen sorry? an unfit hardcore vocalist. Let's put it that way. And the the classic, can you still hear us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I thought it dropped out for a second. Yeah, I've never seen uh, uh, an unfit hardcore vocalist. And the meme was always the dude from Harm's Way. Like, Oh, yeah. That He's a killer. It's just a mass monster. And it seems like, especially in that genre, everyone has got a really high level of fitness. Well, I mean, I think you're being very polite there because there are certainly <laughs> some... <laughs> I have certainly seen some unfit hardcore vocalists, but I'm not going to point fingers. Um, <laughs> I mean, after COVID, you can point the finger at yourself by the sounds of that. Well, yeah. I mean, I was completely fucking drained for like, uh, yeah, I think those the last run of shows that Salt Money did was back in May. And they were just horrendous on my body like because I was still sick. Um, but then, yeah, since then, I've been like, um, I've just been sick like so often, so frequently, probably because I'm so busy at the same time, right? Like stressed yeah. and whatever, but being sick from like May to October and then like planning this music video and Kyle's like, oh, I really want to objectify your body. And I'm like, oh, fuck. How's this going to work? <laughs> I've been sick for six months. I haven't been working out. So now oh. I'm like. I'm like back at it again, trying super hard because Kyle wants to objectify my body in this music video. And then I'm like, get sick again. Uh, yeah, the cycle continues. But there is nothing, there is nothing that kills you more when you've developed like a really good routine, a really solid run of, you know, going to the gym, going for walks, doing whatever you do. And then you're sick for even two days, like even those two days and your whole routine just goes. Yeah. I mean, like when you're sick for six months, it just makes you so upset. Like, um, and then, yeah, like I feel, I feel like my mental health is always teetering on the fucking edge. So <laughs> when my physical health is taking a hit and I'm like, Oh no, what's going to happen. And, uh, but and with, it's so demoralizing as well when your physical health goes because you're like, dude, if my body can't keep up, how the I know. fuck is my brain going to keep up? But now we've made it to summer and I'm like, okay, we've made it to <laughs> summer. We're good now. And yeah, I don't know. I, I've started to feel good in the last like three weeks or so. And Nice. I'm glad to hear that, man. Like and, being, uh, being crook since May would have just been an absolute hellhole for you. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, I'm so excited to be able to get back into routines and stuff and then go on tour. Like, and then it's going to throw the routines all the way off again. Oh, yeah. But, like, it's like the celebration of it all, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you mentioned that collaborating with a few different things. You collaborated with uh, Bad Habit. You've collaborated with Kyle. Lumen's House in and of itself is a pretty collaborative thing. Does it... And I suppose in DIY as well, collaboration is a rather large part of it. Like, you know, you got to hit up different people and different things. Do you find it difficult to collaborate collaborate people with projects as personal as Salt Money? Um, I guess. No, not really. I haven't really struggled because the people that we do collaborate with are the people that I trust. So they're, like, we just they're in the inner circle of it. Or not really. I mean, I didn't really know Aaron before we started working together. It's just like I wouldn't let you in unless I believed in what you did. You know yeah. what I mean? No, so I like, know exactly what you mean. If I thought you were going to fuck it up, I'd be like, oh, that's so nice of you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, dude, I'll take that <laughs> as a conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little ego boost on my behalf as well. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, if you're uh, – 
if you're like if I have faith in you, then I think it's it's no problem. Like, welcome to the club. Um and yeah, so like with people like Kyle, I'm like, yeah, whatever Kyle wants, let's do it. I think it'll be a great idea. Um we flipped a car and set it on fire for a Lumens music video that's coming up. Nice. Like, I wouldn't have thought of that. I'm glad Kyle did. Damn, that's a cool. I've got it. I'm going to keep my eyes out for that. That's an awesome visual. Yeah, yeah, it's coming soon. It's uh, it's really good. So pre- I think I think the salt money video is going to be even better. To be honest, um, it should be good to see. So we've hit. I think we've hit all the all the high points that we wanted to cover. You've got uh, love of my life, which is coming out on Friday, the 9th of December. Also, keep your eyes and ears on the new releases show. There could be a review for that coming on the way. Little wink, wink. Um, you've also got the tour at the start of next year. A whole bunch of stuff happening with Lumen's House and all the associated projects as well. Was there anything that we didn't hit that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, I believe we've hit it all. Like, um, I'm stoked to see that. Hardcore is having a little bit of a resurgence in the in the like zeitgeist of the world at the moment, um, and I'm stoked to see that Screamo is having its own little thing in Southeast Queensland as well as the world, uh, and as well as Melbourne, as well as Sydney. Um, so I'm really excited to hit the road, go out and see those places, and see friends in those places, as well as make new friends and, and meet people at those shows. So. Exciting times. Touching on that zeitgeist, though, it goes back to the classic 20-year cycle. Well, I suppose it's 30-year cycle now that I think about it, but you think about all the hardcore that's popping off these days. It's very reminiscent of that like late 90s, maybe even early 2000s chuggy groove-based stuff. Like, I think a lot of the hardcore records that I've listened to over the last two or three years that I've really fucked with have been, you know, like Gridiron, God's Hate, and they have that real groove sentimentality to it. It's like, yeah, I remember listening to it and thinking, fuck, I didn't realize Marauder had a new record out. Like, when have 25 <laughs> to life come back? I remember, I forget who said it, but somebody said hardcore is just metal 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is a very good point. And, yeah, that's kind of true. Um, yeah, there's still bands that are ripping off Slayer. But, um, yeah, I think, like, in the screamo world, which is maybe what I'm more familiar with, um, or metalcore as well, it's, like, definitely bands from 20 years ago are getting are getting jacked again, and I think it's a really good thing. Um, yeah, because I think, like, well, yeah, the metalcore scene back 20 years ago had so much, like, imagery around it and so much self-belief. It's like we're doing this weird new thing that nobody's done before, and we're doing it with such like um, such confidence. And I think when you look at that retrospectively, like twenty years later, you're like, "Yeah, I want I want a piece of that confidence. That's really cool." And I always um, find metalcore is a little bit of a dirty word for people in the heavy music scene because shouldn't be. I know, and that's that's my thought as well because there are two very distinct strains and I think people often think of the latter rather than the former, you know? Like when I think of metalcore, I'm thinking botch, convert, yeah, yeah. Uh, those sort of, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s, but when a lot of people my age think of metalcore, they're thinking of, you know, the... And and we all know where this is going. Uh, the big swoopy fringes, the the yeah. neon colors, uh, as Finn McKenty would put it, the neon cartoon monster merch. Yeah, yeah. And those two get conflated so often that you kind of need to make you kind of need a premise when you say metalcore with you know the botch style metalcore metalcore rather than the say asking Alexandria style metalcore. And same problem happens when you say the word screamo, right? Oh, like dude. people interpret that as from first to last. But like I don't really care that much because I like both types of metalcore and I like both types of screamo. Obviously, with the mall screamo or the mall metalcore or whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, there are a lot of like bottom feeder bands in those worlds where like 
they're just riding on the coattails of something else that somebody else made that's great but like i don't know i think of band like from first to last sick band like more core as hell but really cool i think of a band like um swoopy fringe i'm like uh under oath i like them <laughs> they were cool <laughs> attack attack they were cool um so i'm not trying to be an elitist about anything um but yeah when, when i'm talking about metalcore i'm definitely talking more like what you said like the botch converge poison the world type stuff mm. it's funny you should mention scream i was having a chat to elijah from daydragama and I don't know whether you cop this in school, but anything that you listen to that had screaming vocals would be classed as screamo when you kind of go, no, that's, you're thinking of the the vocal technique, like there's an actual genre that you're missing here. Yeah, for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I'm not going to be one of those edgy kids who's like, oh, you got it wrong. Like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this is not real like, emo. <laughs> yeah. Real emo only consists of the DC emotive hardcore scene. Damn, uh, you've no. got that first line memorized. I'm impressed. <laughs> um, that was such a good meme when I first saw it. <laughs> yeah. Um, we made a limited edition, like, women's house shirt that's like real emo only consists of the LHR emotional hardcore scene. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I forgot my train of thought here. Oh, Sorry, uh, yeah, we're, like, too, we're too busy course, talking shit. Of course, these people, like, they've never heard of the genre. Like, why would you be such an asshole to them to be like, oh, you got it wrong, dude? <laughs> like, no, of course they got it wrong. They haven't heard it. How could they have heard it? You keep it so fucking insular. You don't let people hear it. It's so guarded, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're certainly not going to be guarding any secrets regarding salt money and everything associated uh, with Lumen's House and all the aforementioned bands. Dean, thank you very much for joining us. Um, if people wanted to hit up, follow everything that, that you're doing, everything that the bands that you're involved with are doing, where would they go about it? Um, yeah, like obviously Salt Money's on Bandcamp, Salt Money's on Instagram, Salt Money's on Spotify. You know, the words Salt Money. Um I'm on Instagram, Dean Strike. That's basically the only social media I use at the moment. Um, Women's House, uh, kind of dead on the internet, but we just do stuff. Um, come to the shows. That's the best way to do it. If you're in Australia, come to one of the shows. Like, And if you're somewhere else in the world, send us an email. That's, yeah, like get in contact the old school way. I think that's the coolest way. 